Welcome to Oikos. Are you guys glad to be here? Of course you're going to say that right. It would be kind of rude if you didn't. Um, Last week we talked about possessing the promise. And the promise to possess was to hear the Lord's voice. So I hope that you guys have been practicing that promise, that he does speak to you. Now he speaks to you in a variety of ways. Sometimes he is silent. And today we're going to work on listening with patience as we look at possessing the promise. I thought about this as um, some of you know that our family joined a climbing gym. And some of the routes, they're marked by different levels. And so the very first level is yellow, and then the next level is like a a light blue, and then the next level is a green, and then I'll probably get it wrong because I'm not at that level. And as I go to these different routes, my goal is if I can't climb something, then I go back to that place until I can be a victor over it. And there was one certain route in the last couple weeks that I was just like, I don't think I'm going to ever do it. But I wanted it so badly that I kept going over and over this route until I had broken blisters on my fingers trying to make it. Not because anybody was watching except for me. And every time I messed up or was too weak, I was cursing myself for gaining too much weight. Or I was cursing myself for not doing the push-ups. Or I was like, why am I getting so old? I wanted it so bad, but I had to wait for it. Have you ever had something that you've wanted so bad, but then you had to wait? It gets worse, right? Especially if you see what you want, and it's like right there. So on this climbing route, the top, there's nothing to grab onto. It's just this round cylinder thing that you have to hold onto, and then pull yourself over it, and then up onto the top. And if you lose strength, then you're going to hit something coming down. So I got here, and I couldn't do it. Or I didn't think I could. I couldn't do it. And I had to drop back down. I was just this far away from completing it. But I could not do it. It made me want it even worse. Sometimes this can actually become almost devastating, right? Those things that you want so badly, and they're just this far away, that promotion that you were hoping for, And it just kind of goes to someone else. In the story today, we're going to jump into the lives of Abraham and Sarah. Some of you know Abraham and Sarah well. Some of you know this story well. But as we go into this story, I hope that you can see it with a new lens. There's been 25 years that have passed in Abraham's life since he had first heard from the Lord. He had lived many years, and as far as we know, he hadn't really heard from the Lord. He was about 75 years old before he heard from the Lord. And that was to pack everything up and move to a new land that he did not know. And he did it. 
Now he was nearing 100, and he was hearing from the Lord again. And as I thought about those 25 years, I thought about how the Lord worked incredible patience of telling Abraham something, that he's going to be a father of a vast nation. But for 25 years, he really didn't see anything happen. He was on the edge. He had heard from the Lord. And then for 25 years, life just went on. I wonder if the writer of Lamentations was thinking of this example of patience when he wrote, God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. As we listen to this incredible story about Abraham and Sarah, listen for the patience. Listen to how Abraham and Sarah stayed in the story with God. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord said to him, You'll be the father of many nations, and some of your descendants will be kings. Therefore, I'm changing your name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. I'll be with you, and I will give this land to you and your descendants. As a sign of these promises, you are to circumcise all the men. Then the Lord said to him, From now on your wife will be called Sarah. I will bless her, and she'll bear you a son. Abraham laughed and said, How is it possible for a man who is a hundred years old and a woman who is ninety years old to have a child? Perhaps Ishmael can inherit all your promises to me. God said, No. Sarah will have a son, and you'll call his name Isaac. I'll give my promise to him and his descendants, and I'll be their God, and the whole earth will be blessed because of them. But I will bless Ishmael as well. I will also make a great nation of him. Twelve tribes will come from him. Sometime later, Abraham was sitting at the door of his tent. Suddenly he noticed three men standing nearby and realized that one of them was the Lord. He rushed over to them and said, Sirs, please come sit under this tree. I'll give you some water so you can wash your feet. Then you rest while I prepare a meal. After you have eaten, you may continue on your way. They said, Yes, we'll stay for a while. Abraham rushed into the tent and told Sarah to make some bread for his guests. He then went to the field and selected a choice calf and gave it to his servants so they could use it to prepare a meal. As soon as the food was ready, Abraham served it to his guests and then stood back and watched them eat. As they ate, the Lord said to Abraham, Where's Sarah, your wife? She's in the tent. The Lord said, I'll come back in about a year. At that time, Sarah will have given birth to a son. Sarah was listening to this from inside the tent. She was 90 years old, so she laughed inside herself when she heard that she was going to give birth to a son. She said, That's impossible. I'm too old to give birth to a child. The Lord asked Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will come back, and she will have given birth to a child. When Sarah heard this, she ran out and said, Lord, I didn't laugh. Ah, but you did laugh. Soon Sarah found out that she was expecting a child. So there's a few things we need to keep in mind as we listen to the story. Because out of context, some of the things that you heard in the story, you go, I'm not hearing patience. 
But remember, the very first time that the Lord spoke to Abraham about a vast nation was 25 years before the story. Now, that doesn't mean that Abraham and Sarah were perfect all 25 years. They did not know how he was going to accomplish it. They just knew there would be a vast nation. They stayed in the story. Then they tried to do some of their own ways. Sarah suggested, take my maid, Hagar. Maybe she'll be able to produce an heir because I can't. They tried to do their own thing, but they still stayed in the story. They knew that the end was better than, as, than the beginning. Ecclesiastes says, the end of something is better than its beginning. Patience is better than arrogance. I think that Sarah and Abraham exemplify that verse. Now, you may look at one part of the story and go, but Sarah was laughing about the promise that God was wanting her to possess. If we look at this a little bit closer, I think you may see it a little differently. Genesis 18, verses 10 through 13. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent because she was working. She was getting ready to serve everything. She had made bread, if you remember the story. She had made bread. Abraham was doing this all for strangers who just happened to show up. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Now for me in this story, this was not really a weak moment for Sarah. Because when I think about the position that she was put in, she was told that she would be a great nation when she was an old woman at 75. And she was okay with that. 25 years later, she's looking at her body and she's saying, that's not going to happen. She's looking at 25 years where she hasn't seen anything. She was most likely the butt of many jokes. I'm sure Abraham at occasion would say, there's going to be a great nation from my family, from my line. And many would look at Sarah and go, not with her. I bet she felt the pain of not having children. I know for many who have struggled at having children, every month there's a little bit of pain. Every month when you find out you're not pregnant, there's a little bit of pain. 25 years she had that. When you step into the story of Sarah a little bit deeper than just the surface, 
you go, I may not have laughed silently. I may have laughed out loud. I may not have said this silently to myself. How can the Lord do anything with this old body? And how can he do anything with his old body? I probably would have said it out loud. God's timing was perfect, though. And that's what patience comes from, is believing that his timing is perfect. Regardless of the circumstances. The promise was not going to be fulfilled for Abraham and Sarah because they could do it. Because they physically were able to have children. It wasn't going to be fulfilled that way. They were going to have to know and all those around them would have to know that this was an impossible promise. This was ludicrous. And yet, Abraham and Sarah stayed in the story. If you look at their response, it was not a response to the travelers that came by that seemed like they were broken or desperate. When you look at the story, the response was to these three travelers that came by their place was an overwhelming sense of love, service, and dedication. To me, as I read through the story, this gives a little insight of who they were. They didn't look at the promise that God gave them, and because it had been 25 years and had not been fulfilled, said, we're just worthless. They looked at three travelers and said, let us be hospitable to you. 99, naked bread. Have you ever made bread from scratch? I bet a lot of you have not made bread from scratch. It takes longer than 15 minutes. She's 99. Doing this. Making some bread. Just simply because her husband told her to. Have you guys done things that your husband just told you to do? All the time, right? <laughs> she didn't even question. She just said, I'm going to make some bread for these three people I don't know. Abraham was willing to go sacrifice, literally sacrifice, kill one of his animals, livestock, to give to strangers. They were generous and loving and dedicated. But in the story, God is not asking you to be the next Abraham or Sarah. That was a specific promise for a specific time for a specific reason. It was to begin that nation that would proclaim his name, that nation that Jesus would say, I am a part of that nation, and through this nation you will be blessed eternally. But as crazy as it was to become parents, at the age of 100. And I think about that, man. 100. <coughs> you got to get up every two hours. <laughs> you have to feed the baby all the time. I mean, this was not like Isaac came and, 
He just, they didn't have to do anything because he was a biblical child. He was a child. Did they really even know what kind of promise they were going to have? But for you, maybe you have something that you feel the Lord has called you into that seems ludicrous, crazy, unachievable. For me, I often look at the things that others have looked at what I've done and said, never going to happen. That is impossible. The first thing I think of is this church. Yeah, you're sitting in a ludicrous thing right now. Many people were ready for this to fail before it even began. Many people thought there would be no way that we could exist five years. No way could we give 10% of everything that comes into this place away. No way could we start churches in our first five years. No way. People just don't always understand how God works. Sometimes you guys don't believe me. Right? I've had conversations with many of you when I go, oh, why don't you pray with your coworkers at work? You look at me and you go, you crazy. <laughs> you don't say it. You're like Sarah, silently. You give me the look. <laughs> okay. He's doing that thing again. La, 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 la. I'm not praying with my coworkers. Or I'll talk to kids, my own children, about starting praying with their, with their friends at school. And they go, okay, see you, Dad. And they shut the door. Every day I have this conversation as I drop them off and they get out of the car. I go, how are you going to show Jesus to someone today? They're like, yeah, we will. <laughs> You're messed up, Dad. You're really messed up. Some of you I've had the conversation about talking to your neighbors and it's uh, just talking to your neighbors, inviting them over to your house. And I get this smile. Never going to happen. <laughs> I've had it. I've had these conversations with you. You know it. Of course, we've talked about where you give money, right? This is a church. We talk about it. I was at an event last night, and it struck me. We were at an event that was about a foundation, and it was about raising money, and it was a good cause. Good cause. They didn't know how to ask people. I was standing there, and I was going, oh, man, you just need to ask. You have a need, ask. They were kind of like, well, you know... We kind of, you know, if you, well, here we believe that it's a good thing. It's a blessing to be generous, right? Oh, yeah, you're like, oh, we've heard this. It's a good thing. And for Sarah and I, this is how we do it. 
I listen, remember, possess the promise, listen to the Lord. Because I feel like when we give and I don't listen, I'm really kind of giving out of vain. It's not totally bad, it's just I haven't really listened. And for the last several years, I asked the Lord just to kind of give me a number. I'll assure you the number's never lower than the year before. It's never been. Many years, it's the number that I go, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. And I have this little conversation. I don't know if you guys, do you have conversations with the Lord like this? Yeah. So each year, last year, our conversation ended at $1,700 a month. We were going to give to the church. We did. This year, I had this conversation in December again. And I thought, 1700 that's good. That's over 10% of what Sarah and I make. That's good. Check. Have you ever done that? I even kind of went into this conversation of, I don't need to have a conversation with you, Lord. Because we've checked. Did you see the check? In fact, we wrote the check. Did you see it? Well, he told me this year it's 1800 and so we've begun 1800 every month the reason why we do this is not because I think that you think I should give this it's because I heard the Lord say 1800 a month that's what you should give you may hear something else I'll tell you when I first tried to begin listening to the Lord tell me how much are you asking us to give Lord it was more like 400 a month. Our salaries, just to let you know, have not changed that dramatically between then and now. But he knew where I needed to start. And he has continued to invite us to go deeper in that promise that no matter what we give, we can't outgive him. No, what, no matter what he tells us, that he wants us to give, just like Abraham sacrificing one of his choice livestock. There's a blessing beyond it, much better than the beginning. The ending is much better. It may seem ludicrous, but the Lord always provides. Our family is a testimony of that. We have not been in need. We have had interesting things, I'll say it that way, happen. We thought we'd lose our house. We thought we would, I thought we'd have to declare bankruptcy at one point. Two, two times, actually. When Zach was born and then when our contractor walked out on us. Two times I thought we'd have to declare bankruptcy. And I was kind of having that conversation. Like, I checked. Lord, do you remember? I did what you said, so why is this happening? But what he said to us was, stay in the story. I think our house has actually turned out better. I know that our son, that when we found out they lost the bill, if you don't think I didn't give thanks, <laughs> I gave thanks. Who loses a bill? Of a thousand dollars, it wasn't a thousand, it was thousands of dollars. We were paying $25 a month 
The Lord is always good. None of these things that we hear him speak to us about are about bringing honor to us. It's about us becoming a blessing for the world. And that was the story he is inviting Abraham and Sarah into. And when you hear him invite you into something that seems ludicrous, impossible, just doesn't happen, he's inviting you to stay in the story so that you can see the ending is much better than the beginning. So what does it look like to follow the example of Abraham and Sarah? Maybe you decide to say that prayer with your coworker. And you go to your coworker and you go, I know you've been going through a lot of stuff. I'd like to pray with you. Not, I mean, the way we try to get out of it is we say, I'm going to pray for you. End of story, then you walk away. Now that's a good start. But what if you hear the Lord say, don't walk away. I want you to grab onto them. Tell them that Jesus loves them. Oh, I know I'm going crazy, aren't I? Tell them Jesus loves you. And he wants me to pray for you right now. Oh, do you feel it? You guys all ready to do it? What? Come on, I see some people are like, no way, I'm not doing it. Come on, say yes. I'm going to pray for you right now. And that person goes, please don't touch me. <laughs> now, it'd be easy for us to go, well, I don't want to stay in that story then. I think that story's ended, and I'm going to walk away, and hopefully I don't have to see them again. That's why I went to the lower floor workplace and not my floor. <laughs> but what the Lord is saying is, no, stay in the story. It didn't work this time, but stay in that relationship. Remind them that you're praying for them, even though they don't want you to grab onto them and pray with them. And wait until the timing is perfect. The end of something is better than its beginning. Patience is better than arrogance. And I know that this is tiring. And I know that sometimes trying to be in the story of God seems useless. I know that working with people, I'm not talking about you all, just other people, sometimes weighs on you because you want them to see the blessing that God has right there for them. They can't see it. You've seen it. They can't see it. They go, that's all nice for you all, but that's not how God works with me. He works the same. That's why he speaks to all of us, whether we listen or not. He's done it for centuries. His grace is evenly distributed because it covers everything. Even when it seems to seem like it is unfair. 
God's asking you to stay in the story today. And not just the story that you want to write, but the story that he's writing in your life. Sometimes we want to take a chapter of it and just kind of put it away. But God wants you to start that chapter. He wants to see that you can be a witness in an area where you could never dream yourself being a witness or become generous in a way that you never thought you could be generous. Or to be loving to people that you thought you could never be loving to. Or to be a restorer of things, of things that seem so broken, you can ever see them repaired. The Apostle Paul writes to the Galatian churches, and he says this to them about staying in the story. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to those who are in the family of faith. His story is so good for us. He intends good for you, not disaster. Even in the thing that you see as a disaster, he is making good. That's who our God is. Some of you know this, literally. You know this because you've been in disaster and you've seen how the, our God has made it good. Something that everyone else would go, that is a complete disaster. You go, but there's more to the story. He's made it good because we stayed in the story. We haven't even seen the best thing. James writes this, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. I mean, this is the last chapter for all of us. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. I pray that you would take courage today. Christ, who died and rose again for you, he wrote the perfect ending. He just wants you to stay in the story until he comes again. He wants you to see that there's so much more to what he has designed in you than you can even see in yourself. He wants you to see that his power works in you. Even when you think you're powerless. Those friends of yours who need healing, he wants to be in that story. Those co-workers of, you, of yours that are hopeless, he wants to be 
in their story. He wants to work in you. Because he saved you. He saved you for a purpose to be a blessing. You are here today not because this is the coolest place in town to come to. Right? I mean, our parking lot is epic. Right? It's beautiful out there. This is like the best, best place ever. Right? Actually, some of you could say yes, because I would say yes. Because it's here where I get to see the family together. It's here where I get to see those of you who chose to get up this morning to come near to Jesus. It's here sometimes where I have the greatest joy because I see faces that I haven't seen for a long time. And then I have to have this conversation with the Lord should I go say hi right now, or is that going to be too much? Should I let him just know, I know you're there, and I'm thanking God for you right now? Some of you I see every Sunday, and I go, Lord, thank you for not making me tired of them. <laughs> that you actually, you make me like them. I like to hang out with them. I like that we get to do this story together. I pray that as you leave this place today, that you would be encouraged. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. That He has saved you. That He has blessed you. That the story that you have not even yet seen is just in the beginning. And as, as Ecclesiastes says, the end is always better than the beginning. So maybe you just started your life with Jesus a year ago. Man, there's so much yet to come. Maybe you started your life with Jesus a little bit longer ago, like maybe 60 years ago, maybe more. There's so much more yet to come. When Jesus comes again, the last chapter will be written. My prayer is that all of you will be a part of that story. And then we'll really get to see the best that the Lord has to offer. But until then, he wants to offer that right now through you. Take courage, church. Don't let your story not be read. Don't let your chapters of your book be unwritten. He's writing right now, and he wants you to be a part of it. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us a message through Abraham and Sarah of their great patience, their great love for you, their endurance, their grit. Lord, as our church embarks on a story of planning 100 churches and starting 1,000 MCs over the next five years, Many would say that that is impossible, it's ludicrous, it is crazy. That we can't do it. Lord, we know we can't. But we also know that through you all things are possible. Open up our eyes to see how wonderfully made you have done 
the work within each of us. Help us to see that you are working even now to expose more of us to the world. It's not because we're wonderful, it's because you are. It all points back to you. So may our stories not be just simply about us, but may they be mostly about you and what you do each day. How you care for us, how you love us, how your mercy does not end, and that this beginning is not even close to what the ending will look like. Give us the courage to go out these doors today and be your witnesses to represent you as we love others and as we love each other. Amen.